Good morning. Oh, hang on, just a moment. <laughs> Good morning, everybody, and God bless you. As you probably noticed already today, we have a little bit of normality. Thank God, coming back into LFC and London, and it's delight. It's wonderful to be here in front of human beings, real human beings, and not just talking to a, a piece of machinery. So God bless you and welcome. Again this morning, I've got a few quick announcements for London Family Centre. The LIW and the Wednesday prayer meeting will resume around September. The schools are off now. Many people are heading out on local holidays this year, right? Uh, Juliet's asked me to announce that the 2 to 11-year-olds will finish uh, on the 2nd of August, and they'll be back in the third week of September. The pre-youth and the youth are going to finish today, and... Uh, in terms of prayer requests, please keep all of our church in prayer, obviously, and all believers and churches around the world in these treacherous times. Um, but pray particularly for Tanaya. Uh, I think most of you will have got that message that her mom, who was with us here just a little while ago, passed away this week. A very dear lady indeed. So please pray for Tanaya and for the family. Um, I remember Pat as well, who's just lost her father. After lockdown, when the rules permit, we will gather together some kind of memorial service uh, for both of these individuals and anybody else who has suffered loss through the lockdown time. Please also remember Brian. He's continuing with his treatment, and later today to LFC, I'll send out some specific uh, notes about how to pray and what to pray for his condition and his situation. So welcome. I'm, I'm honored to be in your homes wherever you are from around the world. May the Lord bless you. I feel a, a strong message this morning. I'm, I'm pleased to bring it. I'm a little bit trepidatious to be honest with you, but I will bring it anyway. It concerns, was it last week when we were at your house, Robbie? That was last week? It's a long, seems like a, an eternity ago. We were talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit, the necessity of you and I being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And really on that day, I had twins. I felt like I had two words within me. One was that we're not effective in evangelism. We're not effective as Christians very often because of failure to be baptized. And, and secondly, was that the latter half of Matthew 24. Let me read this, these few verses to you. And as I read them to you, I want you to be aware the Bible is God's early warning system. We are without excuse, not just, for, I mean, for generations, God has predicted what is going to happen on this earth. We have been warned in advance again and again and again. And the, the disciples were gathering around Jesus one day, and they said to him, how will we know that the end of the world is near? Tell us what the signs are going to be. I mean, this has got to be one of the most epic scriptures concerning the days in which you live. Christians, listen to me. This, I believe, Jesus is talking to you. They said, tell us what the signs will be. How will we know it's the end? And he said, watch out that no one deceives you. Deception. People saying that they're coming in my name. But they're not coming in my name. They are deceivers. Watch out, Christian, that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name to deceive you. You will hear of wars 
and rumors of wars, but see to it. In other words, it's your business. This is your responsibility. Don't get alarmed. Stay calm. See to it that you don't get alarmed. Such things must happen, and the end is still to come. We're not quite there yet. You're going to see ethnos rise against ethnos. Colors against colors. Blacks against white. When you see these things, when you see pandemics, when you see earthquakes, when you see race wars, know this, it is at this time that I is the beginning of, of, of birth pains and the return of Christ is near. Listen to verse 9. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. The most persecuted faith in the world at the moment is Christians. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you're going to be hated by all ethnic groups, nations, because of me. And this is my verse for today. At that time, what time? When you see the pandemics, when you see the racial wars rise up. At that time, many people are going to turn away from the faith. The faith that they began with, many people are going to turn back at that moment. So Jesus gives us an early warning, an advance warning of all of the details. I could take you to other places in Scripture. And you'll see these warnings multiple, multiple times. We are without excuse if we fall for this trap of the devil in the current moment, I tell you. The title of today's message is The Little Apostasy. I woke up, my wife prays in the middle of the night, I woke up. I can't remember when it was, <clears throat> just a few days back. And those words were just in my mouth. The little apostasy. I said, what's the little apostasy? And I woke up in the morning, I remembered the word. I said, what's the little apostasy? I began, to, I began to see what God was speaking to me in the middle of the night. There's going to be a great apostasy. Guaranteed. From you, from Christians. Those of you watching around the world. I don't know if you're going to heaven. I don't know if you're awake. I don't know if you're listening or you've been deceived. There's going to be a great apostasy. That means falling away from our faith, from our principles, from our God-given practices. Christians are going to fall away. How do we avoid the great apostasy? I'll tell you, by avoiding the little apostasies. By avoiding the little step-by-step slips sliding away backsliding away if you can't if, you know if, if you can't avoid the little apostasies you're not going to avoid the big one you're walking straight into the trap oh i had a member some years ago he was an absolute gem of a member he fixed our building constantly he was a real worker he was a happy happy man his name was alex he's from romania and he was with us for years, and I really appreciated the work ethic of this guy. Outside Dublin, there's a beautiful waterfall. It's called Powerscourt, but it's a very dangerous place because it's very, very high. And you know waterfalls, you get moss. You get slippery moss on the rocks. And when you get near Powerscourt, the path begins to narrow and the signs with the skull and crossbones, signs in multiple languages, repeated warnings, advance warnings again and again. Don't leave the path. Do not leave this path. Don't leave the path. But Alex was so gregarious and full of energy and fun. He was about 55, something like that. 
He actually had 16 children, believe it or not. And he was full of fun. And he got on the path with two other of our members. And Alex put his leg over the fence. Just one step, you know, not a great apostasy. Just a little step, just a little. I mean, what harm can this do? He took one step. Just wanted to look over the water. Just want to see what it's like there. And as he stepped, the warning came true. And once he slipped, he couldn't contain himself because the, the moss shot him like a rocket off the end of that waterfall. And he was broken into pieces. And we did his funeral. It was a very, very sad thing. Very sad. It only took one step, you know. <laughs> you never know where one step is going to take you. Jesus said this, enter through the narrow gate because wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many people are going to choose the broad and the seemingly easier way. The apostasy that is taking place at this moment, I believe, and is going to increase in these coming months and years, is nothing new. Christians like you have become apostate multiple times over the generations. I saw someone describe it like your hand. I thought it was a very good way of looking at it. They said there was an apostasy under Noah. There was a big drifting away. And then there was an apostasy under Abraham, a big falling away. Then there was an apostasy under Noah, a big falling away. And on we go. But in the last days, look at this. There's a big dipper. There's a big apostasy coming, the likes of which we have not seen before. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, brethren, concerning, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken. Here we go again in mind or troubled, either in spirit or by word or by letter, as if it was from us, that the day of the Lord had already come. Let no one deceive you by any means. The day of the Lord will not come unless the great falling away from amongst Christians first happens. My next point is really important, and I ask in the name of Jesus that you hear what I'm about to say. There's three types of people who leave our churches. There's those who lose their faith, but they're not apostate. They're atheists, right? Someone who loses their faith. There are those who leave the faith, but that's a backslider. Not in, that's not the apostasy. There's those who lose, atheists. There's those who leave, backsliders. And then there's the apostates. Who are they? They are those who once believed Scripture. Those who once lived by the principles of Scripture. But in the last days, for whatever pressures and deceptions, they choose to depart from what they first believed. Amen. Hello. Did you hear what I said? It's a very distinct group. This group is only Christians. You can't depart from something you weren't a member of. So this message is not for the lost today. This is, if, if you're born again, this warning is for you, specifically for you in these days particularly. Multiple choice question. <clears throat> Which is more dangerous, A, B, or C? A, a wolf. B, a sheep. Or C, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Which is more dangerous, A, a wolf, 
B, a sheep. Or C, a wolf in sheep's clothing. The answer is blatantly obvious. A wolf is dangerous, but at least I know it's a wolf. A sheep is not dangerous. But the most dangerous thing, as Jesus points out, is a wolf actually posing as a sheep. And one of the things about the apostasy, the apostate church and apostate individuals, is they can look like a sheep. They look like the real thing. Jesus told the parable of the wheat and the tares. We suffer in this country from not seeing the land of Israel, not seeing in reality what wheat and tares look like. They're identical. Wheat and tares look the same. And it takes a trained eye to spot the difference. So what he was saying there in the last days, you're going to have all sorts of churches, all sorts of leaders, all sorts of pastors. And you need to be very careful. Don't get confused. (laughs) Have you got a spirit? Use it. Are you born again? I hope you are. And I hope you're sensitive to that. Be, Be attentive to the warnings of Jesus. So I want to give you seven quick signs, telltale signs, that some person, maybe you, is becoming apostate. That some church looks as if they're heading in the wrong direction. Heading off the path just looks a lot easier over there than this strictness. Poof. Much prefer over there. Look at the sun over there. Very careful. I'm going to give you seven things, and I pray that they enter your spirit in Jesus' name. And I hope I see you in heaven. Because you didn't fall for the deception. What's the first thing to look for in churches or individuals that are going wrong? Ritual. Instead of relationship. I love ritual. I get up very early every morning. I go to the same coffee shop. I sit in the same seat. I love ritual. Human beings love ritual. We all do. And when your ritual... Oh, Jesus, I've got a word for you this morning, guys. (laughs) Remember Freddie Mercury, Queen? I saw the documentary that he made. All his flesh was gone with AIDS. He was dying, and he didn't have long to live. Nothing to lose, you know? And in the documentary, they sat him down. He was propped up in the seat, and they were saying, you know, tell us about your life. They'd given up hope of any treatment or any cure. And he was reminiscing. And in his weakened state, he said this. It's stuck in my mind. He said, "Tell, tell you about my life. He said, music is life, and life is music. And he was thinking back over the years, I love music. All my life I've loved music. I love the whole preparation when we're writing songs. I love it. I love it. And then I love the performances, going to the concerts. I love the ritual of it all. And, you know, I never forgot, I just kind of stuck in my mind. Human beings love ritual. Every Christian is gifted. All of those of you watching this morning, you're gifted because God gifts every person. It's very dull when you can't express that gift. And when you learn your gift, like our worship team here this morning, praise God for them. There's a certain catharsis when you release your gifting, when you play your guitar. When you release what you were born to do, there's an energy, there's something very pleasing about that. Listen to my point. Just be careful that you don't fall in love with the process. Just be careful that you don't fall in love with the music. 
Be careful that you don't fall in love with the whole ritual of it and lose the relationship with your Savior that you began with. Hello. <laughs> ritual over relationship. We begin knowing Jesus. We begin knowing God. We begin with principles and values. And suddenly, over time, these things weaken. And we fall in a second love. Not our first love. A second love, which is self-love. The love of what we do. We enjoy it. We get a kick out of it. There's a way in which that, that's absolutely fine as long as it doesn't take the place of Jesus Christ. Remember where you started, friends. The leader of the Episcopal Church in Washington, his name is James Kelly. And he made a statement. He said this. Now, he's a bishop over many churches. This is what he said. I don't believe in God. Some statement. So Christianity Today and many Christian magazines, can we interview you? <clears throat> so they interviewed him and they said, how can you be in charge of many churches and say you don't believe in God? He probably started out believing in God. He lost his way, didn't he? How did he lose his way? Listen to his answer. Why do you, why do you say you don't believe in God? This was his answer. Oh, I love the incense. I love the stained glass. I love all the music. I love the vestments. I love the drama. But I don't want to give all that up just because I don't believe in God. He had fallen in love with the ritual of church. I see my friend. Do you know in church I'm somebody? My husband doesn't even talk to me. But see in church I'm somebody. And I go for what it gives me. Careful guys. Careful. You come to church you came to Christ in the beginning because you were a sinner that needed saving. Nothing's changed. Let me just remind you. Nothing has changed. Get saved and stay saved. And don't fall in love with the ritual or your ministry in the wrong sense. Second point that I would say tells me that someone, an individual or a church, is moving towards apostasy is that they believe that it's okay to believe, but I don't have to obey. This has been a huge debate for decades. I, as long as I believe the right thing, that's all that matters. I don't have to obey Jesus. Jesus dealt with this himself. Jesus said this in, Mark, in Matthew 7. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to heaven. But only those who obey, everybody say obey, only those who obey, so you can say Jesus Christ is Lord, fine. But Jesus put a little addiction in there. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to heaven, but only those who obey my Father's will. So obedience was put right in there. He identified a problem in his day, and it's the same problem today. Apostle Paul says, there are many who confess Christ, but by their actions, they are denying him. There are many who profess Jesus Christ as their Savior, but then their lifestyle, their behavior, they are contradicting that. They confess Christ, but they do not possess Christ. So I challenge you, be careful. Ritual or relationship. You not just believe, but we also have to obey. And number three, the apostate church and Christians in danger of going there 
Number three, they're more concerned about feeling good than being good. I, to be honest, I do not care if you're feeling good right now. I would be your enemy. Do you know, if you, if you were with the Apostle Paul, do you think you're going to feel good? You're not going to feel good, right? Trust me, you're not going to feel good. You are not going to feel good because you're in the presence of a prophet. But do you know what you're going to do? You're going to be good. You're going to listen to Paul. You're going to listen to the word, and that word will save you. So be very careful of the apostate church because they are obsessed with people feeling good. Well, just be careful that you don't feel good now and lose your salvation in the process. Christianity was never about feeling good. Amen. The modern church has an obsession with this. How can we make everybody feel really, really good when they come on Sunday? And people come with a consumer mentality. What do I get out of this? What you need is salvation. And then you need to keep salvation. You need to get it and you need to keep it. And the battle is full on for your eternal soul. There is a war for your soul. I tell you, right now today, there is a war for your soul and for your loyalty. There's a war to put you off the path you started on, to send you in the wrong direction. One step. Just take one step. What's the danger? One little compromise. What's the problem? Follow me. Danger. Great danger. Number four. How do I tell apostates? How do I know those who are leaving the faith? As Jesus tells us, many will in the last moments. And I love this point. It's the most important point to me. By what they fall away from, not by what they fall into. Don't expect great massive sin in those who are apostate. Don't like that. Remember, those who lose their faith, atheists, those who leave the faith, backsliders, apostates keep a show of faith. They're still in church. They go to a church. It's just that they have forsaken their first love. In the beginning, they knew what was right and what was wrong, right? In the beginning, you knew what was right and what was wrong. So who convinced you that right was wrong and wrong was right? Who convinced you of that? Jesus puts it this way. Be careful that no one deceives you. Be very careful. So you will recognize apostates. In 2 Timothy, Paul, sa um, Paul says this. You'll recognize them because they depart from sound doctrine. Dusty old word. Academic old word. Doctrine. I tell you, friends, that by doctrine that saves you, it's by grace you're saved through faith. That's teaching. That's doctrine. You just be careful of doctrine because you're going to need it and you need correct doctrine, right doctrine. Jesus died for preaching truth. They killed him for it. How do I tell apostates? How do I know if I'm going wrong? If I start falling in love with the rituals but have no value for principles anymore. I began my Christian life with right and wrong, but now I don't care anymore. Because I've got what I wanted. I get the attention. I get my catharsis. And I love it. When you feel that you don't need to obey the word of God, the only requirement is for me to believe it. That's not true. Jesus said that wasn't true. When I'm more concerned about feeling good than being good, and be very careful of drifting away from doctrine because that is a dangerous step over the fence. And you can't pull yourself back. Number five, 
how do I tell an apostate church? Answer, <clears throat> they really know how to do church. And I, I've got no, that, that is not a criticism from me. I've been to some excellent, huge churches. Excellent. Godly. God is with them. I, I've been a part of a huge church for years. That is, don't take me the wrong way when I say this. But one of the hallmarks, and I won't mention any countries, <laughs> but one of the hallmarks I have seen with my own eyes is some churches really know how to do church. Man, they got the lights. They got the sound. They got the buildings. They got everything. But I tell you, Jesus would be looking for one thing, the doctrine and the heart. We know through this building here came a certain person with a certain problem not long ago. And I don't know why they came to me. I think someone said, go and talk to him. So I spoke to them, and he told me, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. And I know I shouldn't. So what's your advice to me? And they were right here in this building in our little shed. Sorry about that. <laughs> so I was talking to them. I said, well, you need to stop this, stop this, do this and do that, and then you get on the path, friend. And they said they would get back to me, but they never got back to me. Time goes by and time goes by, and I had their number. I called back and said, you never came back to me. Are you okay? Oh, yes. I found another chair. Okay, what, what, what church? Ba, 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 ba. Big church. Blah, 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 blah. And, and what about the issues? Oh, no, it's okay. The issues are okay. It's a, uh, <coughs> the issues are not okay. So don't hide in a crowd. Don't hide in a crowd. Great deception, you know. Many, many people will find that Broadway. Many crowd, big crowds. But narrow is the road that leads to salvation. And few find it. The words of Jesus. How do we know that we are becoming apostate? Or those around us are in danger of that? You can get deceived by those who really know how to do church. We're not called to do church. We're called to be church. Very, very different thing. Number six, and this is critical. The apostate church will attack the need for repentance, holiness, and attention to the coming judgment. You're going to be judged. I will be judged. But it's called the emergent church in America. There's a great moving away, falling away, from the need of preaching of repentance, holiness. I don't need to be holy. Be ye therefore holy as I am holy. Without holiness, you will not see the Lord. Can't take that out of Scripture, sorry. But the apostate church, the emergent church, as it's referred to in America particularly, there's a great shift away from the use of that word repentance because it doesn't make people feel good. God wants you to be good, not feel good. Repentance, a commitment to holiness, that's out. And judgment, you must be joking. Any concept of judgment is so alien to the apostate church. A God of love judge. You know the, the arguments they put up. A God of love has to judge, friend. Has to judge. That's why Jesus went to the cross. If he didn't have to judge, he wouldn't have to have come this road. We've come this road. And lastly, those who are in danger of becoming apostate, very easy to tell by this sign, they are swayed 
by human talk. Talk, 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 talk. They're swayed by human argument. When I was in Bible college years ago, I remember this point really being emphasized to me about how some, some people can talk, and by the time they're finished, you're doing the wrong thing. Some people can talk to you so quickly and so clever, by the time they're finished talking, wrong is right. And right is wrong. Go home, some homework. Read the book of Jude. It's only a few verses, 20-odd verses. Read the book of Jude. And he gives a cracking explanation of the deceivers in the last days and how they get us off the path. Talk, 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 talk. Someone challenged me just last week on certain biblical principles. And they were trying to persuade me from a fundamental principle. And they could see that I wasn't shifting. And they interrupted me. They said, excuse me, excuse me. So what you're saying to me is you believe this and you're not going to change? Yeah, where's your problem? The thought that I could have a belief that you're not going to change with all the talk in the world. Do you know the devil started talking to Jesus? Remember that? Throw yourself off the cliff. Talk, 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 talk. I don't care who's talking. I've got a Bible. I've got a spirit. And I'm going to stick with this truth. And this God will save me. By the way, I've been at this a long, long time. I have never, I want to minister on this soon. I have never known in my life a greater attack on the truth. People don't want the truth. People don't. I sat with a very mature leader. It was a problem. And I had truth. I brought some truth. I presented that leader with truth. And they didn't want it. <laughs> Preferred to believe the lie. And it's scary, you know. Who is the truth, by the way? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you find yourself rejecting the truth, who are you rejecting? Rejecting Jesus Christ. Let me repeat what I said. I think the truth is under more attack than ever. Jesus is under more attack than ever. The church is under more attack than ever. Get your feet on the path and stay on the path. Let me speak to those in the world, those who are losing their faith. Jesus warns you not to do that. Just because of the troubles in the earth, don't lose your faith. Cling to your faith. Get yourself into a Bible-believing Pentecostal church. For those leaving the faith, don't judge the church. The church is not perfect. Never will be perfect. And don't judge Christ based on Christian behavior. Don't leave the church because of what you see the church do. Help the church. Try and save the church. But don't leave. Don't lose your faith. Don't leave the faith. And to those of you who are born again, stay on the path. Remember your first love. Remember in those first hours, days of salvation, you knew what was right and you knew what was wrong. Yes, you did. It was as clear as those lights shining in my face. You knew right from wrong. And I want to question you, who taught you evil? Who taught you that wrong was right? Who? I pray that you, your spirit is alive because you're going to need it. And I pray that those of you who have not been walking in discernment and have been willing to be led off the path, 
Do you know, I almost feel like closing arguments in a court this morning. This whole world's coming to an end. I was reading in here this morning. We came in early to pray. And I was reading where Jesus was saying, I was just reading it to myself. In the last days, many deceivers will come. I could feel God's word in my ear. They've already come. In the last days, many deceivers will already come. Already in the world. Already at work in this world. Jesus, may God help you. And may God give you wisdom because you're going to need it. You're going to need it in these dark days. I'm finished. Our, our glorious worship team coming back, Tim? Yes? Come on down. Come on down. Who says that? <laughs> Come on down. Let me say to those of you at home, we're still working on the environment here within the church. We have masks and, and cleansing things and wipes and bins. The toilets are available, but you have to clean up after yourself kind of thing every time you go in there. So we're still not open for the public as such. Um, give us a couple of weeks. Uh, and we'll get as many people in here as we can. But at, at, for, for this morning, it's just a few people. So praise the Lord. God bless you. And we'll see you next week. Someone wants this microphone, I think. Is it yours? Bye-bye. <laughs>